hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to share his mercy to the world. Wow. Um, Not called. You say, I I think that's the sermon over really this morning. You and I are called to go. You and I are called to shape churches that send men and women to go. And more deeply than this, um, and we've done it very well over the years. Many of us have sent amazing, special, gifted, called individuals, perhaps in a more kind of missionary mindset and missionary model. But I firmly believe that the thrust of the scriptures, and we'll, we'll unpack some of them in a moment, means that we shape churches who have this call-to-go uh, posture. It's just not possible to believe any other truth. It is possible to ignore this call-to-go or to lose sight of it amongst all the busyness of, uh, of church life. Just look at some of the Bible expectation. Are you ready for a little race through the the scriptures here. Genesis 1, 28, um, God speaks to Adam and Eve. He says to them to multiply and fill the earth. He's, he's looking for them to, to fill the whole of planet earth with men and women made in the image of God. It's an amazing call. It's the mandate right at the beginning. Of course, they fill the, begin to fill the earth with men and women that are, uh, that are distorted by, by sin. Thank goodness there's a savior coming. I don't want to spoil the plot if you, if you haven't got there yet, but it, it's good news. Um, Genesis 12, Abraham is told, go, leave your father's house uh, by God. And he, he promises him that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Wow, imagine that. Imagine that word being spoken here prophetically over you this morning. Hey, go, leave Colchester. Uh, God maybe speaks that into your heart. But, but this local church here is going to be a blessing to all the peoples of planet Earth. Wow, how about that? What a privileged calling. Um, Isaiah 54, perhaps we'll open that up in a few minutes. There's these beautiful prophetic promises. We could pick loads of them. It was lovely to hear a bit of Isaiah 43 from uh, someone earlier uh, this morning. Do you not perceive it? Do you not believe it? See, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. There's this sense of something's opening up. I think, I think that, um, that prophetic word in uh, Isaiah 43 that was mentioned earlier. Who, who read that out? Someone... Andy, is it? A great word, Andy. Um, that sense of, do, um, I, I'm already, it's a present continuous. I'm already doing a new thing. I'm already opening something up. That's the way the kingdom of God works. You may feel like you're static here this morning, but God says, I'm already doing, an, I'm already active. I'm already doing, performing a new thing. I'm opening it up. Um, I love Isaiah 54, where you get this sense of, of what it looks like when God opens up his kingdom promises. Uh, he speaks about a, a picture of a tent, enlarge the space of your tent, stretch out, um, don't hold back, strengthen your, your stakes in the ground, lengthen your, your ropes. These are wonderful prophetic pictures of God's people spreading, growing, filling the earth. Of course, Jesus comes, wow, into the center of our history. Jesus Christ, the Savior, appears on planet earth. Uh, he comes proclaiming the kingdom of God. It's here now. Uh, he demonstrates it. He declares it. Matthew 12, he, he's gathered this little group of disciples. Some of you will remember when you were just a small group here in Colchester, when you, you first got started. Did you start in your home? or Yeah, when you started in a home, you remember. I remember those days. 20, 26 years ago in September, we, we planted our first church in the north of England uh, in, a, in a front room. It was me and Kaz, our three-month-old baby Noah, Andy and Liz, and their dog Holly. We, we counted everything that that you do in those days, don't you? How many have you got in your church? Yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's six of us. Uh, one's a dog, um, but that's okay. God's good all the time. 
uh, and uh, Jesus gathered this little group. He's, he's here to change the world and the destiny of everything. But he gathers these 12. Matthew 10, uh, Jesus sends them to go and do the things he's been doing. He tells them, go. Uh, Luke 10, just shortly afterwards, he sends the, are you keeping up with me here? We're rattling through this, this trajectory. He sends the 72. He sends them to go proclaiming, carrying the kingdom, demonstrating the kingdom of God is here. He even says to them and to us, I believe, John 14, 12, when I go to the Father, you'll do even greater things than these in my name. There's a sense, even as these disciples are going in the name of Jesus, that there's a greater going that is to come. Matthew 28, Jesus has died for our sins. He's been raised to life by the power of God. He's about to ascend into heaven and he gathers his disciples, the great commission, we call it in Matthew 28. And he says, therefore, what's the word? Go. Yeah, come on, let me hear it again. Therefore, Go, yeah, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. But not just the flags here, all nations, every single tribe, language, people group. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Uh, and surely I'll be with you, by the way, to the very end of the, of the age. What a promise. You just turn over into Acts, Acts chapter 1, and, and we find Jesus now. He's, he's literally about to be taken up into heaven, uh, having finished his work on the earth thus far. He's coming back one day again, spoiling the plot again. If you're not sure, Jesus is coming back soon. We want to be ready for that. Um, but Acts chapter 1, he's about to ascend. Before their eyes, he's going to go up into the clouds. It's just the most amazing moment. And he commissions them again. He says, um, uh, uh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. There's a sense that the Holy Spirit who's been promised is coming, but, but you are going to push out. Acts chapter 2, uh, of course, this promised Holy Spirit, Jesus keeps his promise. He ascends into heaven. He's glorified. And from there, he pours out the Holy Spirit on this little group of disciples huddled together. 120, I don't know, maybe it's just a few more here today. They receive the promised Holy Spirit. He comes on them with power and suddenly they're pushing out through the doors. And, and to those local to them, they're declaring the truths about Jesus. And it's remarkable. 3,000 men plus women and children are saved and added into the kingdom of Jesus. That day... And baptized in water and baptized in the Spirit. If, if you're new here and you think church goes on a little bit sometimes, you should have been on that particular, that particular Sunday. Uh, that would have gone on all day, uh, I think. And, and then, of course, the church is carrying this, this mandate. Acts chapter 8, uh, because of persecution, they're scattered out from Jerusalem. They go to the next place, Samaria, where it says there's great joy in that city. Why is there great joy? It's because Jesus is being preached and people are getting healed and saved and added. There's miracles going on. Acts chapter 10. Then Peter goes by um, a strange route, given a vision uh, by God while he's having a, a sleep on the roof, an afternoon nap. Uh, I'm getting to an age now where I enjoy an afternoon nap. Peter's having one. Uh, God, please, will you speak to me in my afternoon naps? Uh, and God tells him, you go, you're a Jew, but you're going to go to this house of non-Jews in the Gentile world, Cornelius' house, and you're going to speak with them. That's not allowed. You're breaking all the rules. Peter goes while he's sharing with this houseful of Gentiles, non-Jews, about Jesus. The same Holy Spirit comes on them. Uh, and they begin speaking in tongues. He's not even given his appeal yet. He's not explained what's happening. The Holy Spirit's come on. He looks at the guys who've come in the car with him. He says, well, they've received the same Spirit like we have. What's to stop us baptizing them? It's extraordinary the way the Holy Spirit pushes us out. Acts chapter 11. 
Um, something's now happening in Antioch. We're right out now into the, the Greek world. Um, again, because of persecution, the church is reaching out now to non-Jews. Barnabas is sent there from the kind of apostolic team in Jerusalem and say, can you go check this out? Let's see if it's authentic or not. See if we can steer it a little bit. Is it a genuine work of God? Barnabas is encouraged when he goes there and he brings encouragement. He goes to find this young, uh, this, uh, young rough around the edges leader called Saul um, who used to persecute Christians. He brings him from Tarsus. They begin to form a new church. They plant a church with, with a diverse team and, uh, and gifted leadership and with a vision to go beyond because that's what the Holy Spirit's been saying. How do we know that? Because you get to Acts chapter 13 and where the elders of this church with some prophets are praying together. The Holy Spirit says, set apart for me and send Saul and Barnabas. And so these, these elders in the Antioch church are, are sent by the Holy Spirit and if you look in the, if you've still got a, an old paper Bible like me, you look at the, the maps in the back it, during a boring sermon, and you can see usually Paul's, Paul's missionary journeys that go out from, from that moment. In fact, by the, as we get towards the end of the story that's recorded for us, and God's still writing the story, friends, through people like you and me, but when we get to Romans 15, Paul's writing to the church planted in Rome. He still hasn't been to them. He's saying, I long to be with you. Oh, and by the way, when I come to you, it's so that I can go on beyond you to Spain. Wow! Even as he gets older and he's been all around the Greek-Roman world, he's still longing to push further and deeper into the kingdom promises of God to get to the next place. Hey, friends, this is what disciples do. This is how disciples live. This is, this is what New Testament churches pump with in their, in their veins. Uh, we, we strengthen and build locally. And boy, you guys are being so diligent in doing that so well. And we're always getting some ready to go and serve in the next place. It's just the biblical posture that we have. We're intensely local and intentional, but we're massively global and intentional about that as well. These were, these were churches in Acts that were, um, they weren't just thinking about out there. They, you read the stories. These were local believers. They were ordinary people like you. They lived in streets like ours. They cared for the poor. They healed the sick. They built new community. They affected their city. They opened their homes and their tables and their lives and their, their hearts. They served the poor. They worshipped from house to house. This was not a detached people who were looking you know, with their bags packed for the next place. They were making a difference in their city, even in, in uh, facing hardship and persecution from the dominant culture. But this apostolic DNA uh, means that they are always looking beyond and, and praying beyond. They're thinking about Chelmsford when they're in Antioch. That's what's on their, on their mind. They're budgeting beyond already, even at that stage. They're engaging with prophets and elders and apostolic teams and sensing what's the next place that the Holy Spirit is, is speaking about. Never static. And so it is for us as New Testament churches, full of disciples of, of Jesus. That's what you are. We've received the same Holy Spirit's. We're, we're still under the same Great Commission. Jesus told them, he, get, he gave two limits to the Great Commission. Um, if you fulfilled these, then fine, you can forget about going, you can stay. Jesus said to the very ends of the earth, so when we've planted genuine New Testament church life into every single language and tribal group around planet earth, tick, oh, and to the very end of the age when Jesus returned. So it's, it's geographical and it's chronological. When we've fulfilled those two criteria, then we can stop being a sending and going church, okay? As far as I'm aware, I don't know if I've, I've not come through some time zone coming to Colchester from Crawley today. I, I think we're still waiting to reach every 
language and tribal group on planet Earth. I think we're still straining at that. And I think we're still waiting for Jesus return, to return. I would hope we would know about it in here if he had. Um, if, if we don't, then there's something wrong um, and we're all deluded. So until then, friends, we keep going. We keep believing. We keep reaching out. We're, and we reach with these circles, these Acts 1-8 circles. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You may be saying this morning, wow, I, I just, I, I'm going to live in Colchester all my life. Hey, brilliant. Praise God. You're part of this plan. You've got neighbors to reach. It's been brilliant for, for me and Kaz. Uh, we moved into Crawley eight, eight years ago now. Our kids were past the kind of school gate, sports club age. They were going to uni and starting work and moving to other nations and things like that. So we found it quite hard to make friends and neighbors with people outside of our church bubble. Then COVID happened. And uh, like lots of us did, I thought, oh, why not? I put a little note through all our neighbors' doors, said, hey, do you want to join a WhatsApp group? And uh, if you need stuff or if you're struggling or, you know, need us to go to the shops, those kinds of things, some elderly neighbors and neighbors with young families, just a whole mix. Well, it's changed our lives. It really has. It's been amazing to get to know people in the street, people we've had the thrill of sharing Jesus with, praying for, sharing their lives with us, a real sense of community developing. There's the fellow opposite who just sends really annoying gifts day and night still on the WhatsApp. But apart from that, it's been a really healthy uh, WhatsApp group. We're, we're super local. and you, It's the same DNA, friends. You may think, I'm never going to leave Colchester, but, but God's put you in a street. We talk all the time in Crawley about the 120,000 people that live within five minutes drive of the front doors of our building. Most of them don't yet know Jesus. Most of them don't yet know the amazing story of, of Jesus. Uh, the life-changing impact of, of the gospel. So we're very, very intentional about Colchester and Crawley and the streets we live and the people we know and the sports clubs you play in and the pubs where you do quizzes. But at the same time, we're pushing outwards because the Holy Spirit is looking further afield to the nation and the nation's beyond. Man, we're, we're doing this imperfectly. I, I'm, here to, I'm learning so much from you today. I was taking photos out there of all your amazing kind of connect stuff. and it's just, you're, you're doing such a great job here. We're here to learn. Please don't hear me today saying we're people that are doing this perfectly. But by the grace of God, it's been a thrill. Like even just over the last three or four years, I scribbled down some notes um, a couple of days ago. We've, we've sent a family, the Drew family, to South Asia to plant a church in a uh, in a, um, uh, a very conservative Islamic culture. Um, at the start of lockdown one, we sent one of our eldership couples, Richard and Rachel, with their family to plant the church in Banbury because that's what God had been speaking to them about. It's not next door to Crawley. It's up near Oxford, but that's where they went. In lockdown two, uh, we sent Ben's big brother and one of my fellow elders, Joe, who's my right-hand man on the staff team. Joe, I still miss him. I still can't get my computer to work. I need Joe in my life. Um, we sent Joe and Amy and their young kids to, to Paris to strengthen the, the church plant there. We, we've got another one later this year. We've, we've found God just opening doors through relationship to serve churches, church planters, leaders in, the, in, in Brazil, the Portuguese-speaking world, um, in the Russian-speaking world, bizarrely. Mainly just because those kinds of people are in our local church and God has opened up their heart and opened up bridges of connection. Wherever the Lord may call. We've, um, the last few weeks, just had some Spanish-speaking um, refugees arrive from El Salvador, of all, of all places. We're just getting to know them. Some of the ladies were at our ladies' curry night. I saw last night. They said we were talking through Google Translate because Spanish was never your, uh, <laughs> never your strong one, was it? Um, but we just found in the last few weeks... Um, that we've been inviting these guys in. It's not enough on a Sunday to say, hey, great to meet you 
El Salvadorian refugees. See you next Sunday. God bless you in that kind of very English culture. And so we found now there's lots of dropping into the building, a little sort of daytime Spanish-speaking small group, open the Bible, pray, emerging. Why are we doing that? Why, why don't we just build locally? Why are we building with people that maybe are transient here today, gone tomorrow? Because the Holy Spirit has put this DNA in us that means, okay, there's an opportunity, an open door. Let's, let's move forward and take it. I think, as I said earlier, it's, it's always painful. There's always a, a tearing of heart and emotion that goes on. I was joking about Ben's big brother, Joe, but I mean it. It's painful. We'd love to gather and keep. We'd love to have a big family that stays together. But it's just not normal or natural, is it? Families are supposed to grow up and spread out and push out and have sons and daughters and, and reproduce. And, and, and honestly, um, if we don't do it, the Holy Spirit will make it happen anyway. So we better get used. We better work constructively with the Holy Spirit and get used to the bitter sweetness of it and the joy of planting churches, but with a box of hankies with us. Um, for, along for the journey. That's what we live with, the adventure and the, the pain. In, in Acts chapter 8, I mentioned earlier, if we resist it, those guys, were, they were going to stay in Jerusalem the rest of their days. They were happy there. They had a big church there. God was doing wonderful things there. They were amongst their own culture and their own people. But God had said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And uh, if they were overcomfortable, then he sent persecution uh, as his doorway to help them push out and pick up the promise of God again. Right now, there's a, there's a huge shift we're all aware of. You've only got to um, open your phones or watch the news and see what's going on right now. Huge shift in the, in the movement of people and in the mindsets of, of Europeans. We've thought a certain way about how life works for a, for a generation and it ain't working that way anymore suddenly. I think it's going to have an incredible impact on churches across Europe. We don't quite know yet. Certainly churches that can see, God, what are you doing in the midst of this apparent chaos? We've been singing about the king on his throne this morning. He's still on his throne. So he's doing something. Do we not perceive it? Can we not perceive he's doing a new thing? Something is opening up for, for churches with this apostolic DNA that will say, Holy Spirit, I see you doing something. There's an opportunity for the kingdom here. There are all kinds of openings. We have a, an amazing... Um, how am I doing for time, by the way? What, what's, uh... Okay, plenty of time. That's good. Um, let me tell you about Valentina. She's an ordinary... Uh, to say ordinary sounds terrible. She's a remarkable, but, but ordinary part of our church. Just nudge someone next to you and say, you're an ordinary member of Redeemer. Very or- Not very ordinary. No, no. Just ordinary. <laughs> all right, don't take it too far. But... Valentina is an amazing lady, married to Ken. Um, she's Ukrainian. And um, about four years ago, Valentina had an opportunity with us partnering with some other churches to use her gifting uh, and her language and her culture to uh, start an online, uh, online church, I guess we call it. I weren't quite sure what it was, but we, we said, yeah, come on, let's go for it um, and with some funding. And it was brilliant. She made a start. But a, about 18 months later, the funding stopped. And uh, Valentina and Ken decided very courageously, just before the Lord, quietly, they didn't ask for anything, didn't ask for any help, certainly didn't ask for any money. They just said to Jesus, we see an opportunity here, we're just going to keep going. Uh, and uh, so they did so. And, uh, and, and Valentina's been doing weekly broadcasts, translating all kinds of teaching content, sharing the gospel, 
um, putting English, uh, Russian words on worship music, uh, and just sharing this stuff through her website, reaching people all over the Russian-speaking world. She's also, funnily enough, started to connect with pastors in local churches, just like ours in Ukraine, in Russia, in Moldova, anywhere where they speak Russian. Leaders now uh, that are saying to us, wow, how do we, how do we dive into this kind of New Testament DNA and who can we connect with and how can we build relationship? And so people like me now are on regular Zooms with Valentina's help, having opened a door with, with Russian-speaking church leaders. What's remarkable is that Valentina now, because of these guys on the ground um, who are just inundated with Ukrainian refugees, of course, right now, thousands coming through their cities, their homes, their their lives, and because of Valentina's direct friendship and relationship and care with them, we've got sucked into this world from Crawley to these churches on the Ukrainian border. It's just a remarkable um, thing. Valentina's just an ordinary lady in the church, and yet she just said yes to God and took a step and took the next step and took the next step. As far as I know, her and Ken are going to stay living in Crawley. They're not, they're not going to move to that part of the world right now. Who knows? But boy, are they living out what it means to be called to go. Um, we, it was remarkable. Um, uh, uh, my numbers are out of date now, but uh, just over the last three weeks, since uh, four weeks now, since the uh, Russian I- invasion, um, Valentina's broadcasts, this is probably a week old, this info, uh, have, have connected with more than 800,000 people in a Russian-speaking world. It's just a remarkable thing from an ordinary lady in the local church in Crawley. What's the Holy Spirit doing through some ordinary women and ordinary men here in the Colchester Church? What's he opening up here? What's he, what's he put in your hands? What's he put on your heart that he's ready to activate? I think in a moment we'll, we'll just pray into that. Just uh, tell me to Isaiah 54 and then we'll, we'll move to make some room to pray. Isaiah 54, just maybe a couple of comments about how we, it's great to pump up on vision. I love it. Yeah, we want to be this kind of church, but how do we steward this? How do we live in this? Isaiah 54, actually it's a prophetic song. It's a picture of a a barren woman. That's a woman who's not been able to have children. And it's quite a painful song. She's being told to sing because she's going to have so many children. And, and then, I mentioned it earlier on, Isaiah 54.2, um, she's told to enlarge the place of her tent. So this, this barren woman who can't have children um, is being told prophetically to get ready for something that does not yet exist. To get ready for a population that you don't yet have. It's like saying, you haven't got any children, but buy a bigger house. Build an extension. Get ready. Have some guest rooms because I'm about to do something. It's, it's quite a strong word, particularly to speak to someone you know, in, in a very sensitive situation like that. So how do we respond? Well, we respond out of our call and out of our conviction. If God says we're a call to go people, then we get ready to go in our stewardship. There's a preparation for growth that is not dependent or, or necessary on our current size and scale. If you're just going to remain as you are, that's fine. But, but the Holy Spirit says enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out, build a bigger home. You, you may feel like in, in my life or in our church, wow, we feel like the, the barren woman. But God says, no, I, I'm calling you extend in faith. That's the posture that we have, looking to stretch and extend. In faith, we make room. We strategically and prophetically, um, we, we build and release um, vision-filled structures around church life. Again, my perception is you guys do that really well uh, already. Um, 
structures which expect and enable growth and life. We're, in a sense, we're ushering in the promise. Before we have it in our hands, we're believing God uh, that you're going to do it. Uh, for us, that's what we're trying to do imperfectly behind the scenes. Uh, again, you do it so well here. You know, everything we're doing, how we meet, how we do our Sundays, uh, still thinking, even though we can meet together again now, what about our online engagement and how that works and the languages that we speak and the way we do food and, uh, and culture and the way we talk about church planting and, uh, and kingdom plans with our, with our children and our teenagers as well as the adults, the way we develop leadership teams and think about eldership teams that aren't going to stay around for for too long and uh, and when people come from new places and open new homes and new faces and new races and whether they're families or whether they're singles whether they're students or whether they're retired it's all strategic it's all part of being called to go and it's how we think and steward in that way this prophetic call means we deliberately plan for new places and take action and new towns and that's why it's so good to hear about about Chelmsford and a, a prayer zoom never mind other nations and a place in Holland that I can never pronounce without spitting over the front row. Go on, say it for me. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. One of those. Um, That's why we think and plan that way. That's why we build relationships and strengthen partnerships. This prophetic call defines how we steward and target our financial budgets into mission rather than just maintenance here. Um, But we're thinking abroad. It's going to cost us Friends, our, our budget meetings, when you're with your trustees. Are there any trustees here today? Just wave your hand if you're a trustee of the local church charity. There's one at the back. Don't be shy. It's okay. A shy trustee. Wow, you're amazing. You really are amazing. In our budget meetings, they've got to have this stretch feel to them because of this Isaiah 54 call. It's out of this promise. We don't yet have. We, haven't yet, we feel like we've barely built our foundations here in Colchester. And yet God's saying, stretch out, go beyond, strengthen, lengthen. So in faith and in joy, it, we, we, we begin to dream this way and plan this way and structure this way and budget this way. Do not hold back, Isaiah 54.3 says. Anyone waiting for the right conditions? Any sailors here? have to wait for the perfect day, the perfect wind. We don't, the, the perfect day will never come for sending people, for thinking beyond. There's always a reason why not. In the first lockdown when we sent Richard uh, and Rachel, we saw that as a prophetic opportunity. They were, they were called to go to Banbury. They were going there. They were trying to buy a house. They had a, a two-year plan for meeting in their home and then beginning to reach out. They knew nobody in the town other than a handful of other, other Christians. Then COVID came. There are two mindsets here. One says, okay, we'll put it all back in the box. We'll leave it. We'll wait till after the pandemic's over. Hey, there, there's never the right time. There's always something else. There's always another reason why not. There was a, a little bit of prophetic entrepreneurism or entre-prophetic, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so we planted Banbury in the first lockdown. We just started a Zoom and said, if you're in Banbury and want to want to worship, pray, Richard's going to open the word. And so every Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock, Richard and Rachel did a Zoom in Banbury from, I don't know, March 2 years ago and began to gather people. That means now they're meeting on the ground and, and building a, a foundation. We, play, we pray, we plan, we structure, we, 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 before we feel ready. Um, we do it from our barrenness, if you like, to use this picture so we don't hold back we invest today some amazing promises i won't go into them now other than read them from verse three you'll spread out to the right and the left your children will possess nations and populate desolate cities i'm holding on to promise for maybe the next 20 years or so i don't know whatever the lord gives me in in leadership in years to come that that we'll send so many more sons and daughters from our 
our New Testament church base in Crawley. I'm saying to the church, Daisy leads our, our kids' church team. We, we've, got, we've got children in our creche, in our kids' church. We've got teenagers in our youth work that, that God is going to equip and send. And, and that's why we do kids' work. That's why you do youth work. We're not just trying to keep them happy while we get on with the stuff in here. We're making disciples that are called to go. And so we're looking to pump this DNA uh, into them so that they're ready to stretch out and not hold back wherever God sends them with their university choices, where they go to live with their first job, the people they marry, the languages they learn in school. It all becomes a strategic part of called to go. If, if you've got young children right now, wow, what an amazing privilege that you get to shape that in them and pray that stuff over them and read missionary stories over them from an early age so that when they're coming out the top end of youth group, you're sending church planters um, and pioneers. What a great environment to grow up in. We, we, uh, we have an airport in our town. I think we're both going for city status, aren't we? We are rivals, uh, Colchester and, and Crawley. You've got, you've got some Roman history, some nice walls, although they're all ruined. Um, <laughs> What, what, what else have the Romans done for us? You've got a, you, you've got a castle, you've got a university. It's, it's nice. It's a really nice town. I like it. We've got an international airport. Um, we've got nothing else. It's a new town, Crawley, since, built since the war. But, uh, but it's nice. We've both got League Two football teams that are struggling. Um, but uh, we, we've got an international airport. Uh, I'm, I'm praying, genuinely, I'm, I'm praying. And the flight's all stopped. The South Terminal opens next week for the first time since COVID. Um, right now, there are 171 cities that I can go directly to from Crawley. Um, the, the south and north terminals are 10 minutes from our, our front door. If Ben's driving, they're five minutes. Um, there are 171 cities around the world that are directly, there's a direct air bridge to them from my town. I'm praying, God, could we have an impact? In, is, is this hub here that we're building, this ordinary local church, is this the kind of place where we could have the privilege of seeing those kind of airport lines going out to city after city? We're not going to plant in them all, I wouldn't imagine, but what a joy to send people or build relationships or have a church we can pray for or, or, or strengthen through uh, giving financially. What's the Lord saying to you here in, in your context, whether you're called just to go to the end of your street or whether you're called to go to the ends of the earth? I just want us to pray in a moment. Um, you, 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 I feel like you're like us. We, we often say we, we've, we've, got, um, we, we've got a vision that outweighs our resources. Does it feel like that sometimes? If you're a trustee, you feel, man, this, this, will the elders stop coming? And never mind, you know, when Mike Betts comes to town and Tom Scrivens and this big apostolic, they, they want us to give money to other things. And other, can, can, can't we just build here? We'd love to buy a building and have some more staff. We've got a vision that outweighs our resources. I, I was reading... Uh, an old, old children's biography of Hudson Taylor, the, the uh, pioneer missionary to China last, last week. Um, just lovely, just amazing stories. And uh, I can't quite remember the, the numbers, so forgive me if, if you know the story um, better than I do. Or correct me afterwards. Um, Hudson Taylor, at this point, they had about 200 missionaries uh, that were under his care across China and eight mission stations. And uh, someone in, in one of the trustees, I, I'm pointing, what's your name, by the way? Joel, I keep pointing at you, Joel. Joel comes to Hudson Taylor, says, hey, Mr. Taylor, love your big vision. Love your big apostolic vision to have missionaries all over China. But I've, I've looked at the, the bank statements. We've got five pounds left in the bank. Hudson Taylor looks at Joel. I know this wouldn't be you, Joel, because you're a man of faith. I can see that. Um, Hudson Taylor looks at, at his Joel equivalent, but Joel of little faith. And he says, we have only five pounds left, but all the promises of the God of the Bible. 
wow. Do you see how your perspective changes? We're not unrealistic. We're like Abraham. Romans 4 tells us he looked at his own body and his wife's body. They were as good as dead. And yet God said, you're going to have a son. But he did not waver in unbelief regarding the promises of God. That's how it is for us. We're very aware of our lack, very aware of our inadequacy, very aware of our inexperience, aware of all the stuff we don't have and can't yet do. But we have all the promises of the God of the Bible. Listen, your, your generous, encouraging, apostolic DNA, let me prophesy of you. It's going to cost you tens of thousands of pounds, and it's going to cost you your best people. It already is. You're already feeling that, aren't you? Uh, and yet it's part of God's plan uh, for this, hu- this New Testament hub that he's building here out of Colchester, developing a culture where you make disciples. I know you do this because you, you were doing it with my daughter three years ago. Uh, developing a culture where you make disciples, where you give people responsibility before they're ready, where you give them kingdom assignments and where you pump them full of New Testament vision before you send them out. Isn't that a, the kind of church you want to be in? Maybe you're one of those that's thinking, I'd like to go to the Connect Sunday. It's my first Sunday here and you're already telling me I'm going. Hey, amen. Yeah. Praise God. This is the kind of church you're coming into. And maybe you'll be in Colchester the rest of your life, but you're going to play your part in giving, serving, praying into this pumping, vibrant New Testament community. Can we stand together? Have we got a minute? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit speaking to anyone today. Just, just wave your hand. Lord, we, we love you. We need you. We can't do this on our own. Lord, you know our natural inclinations. <laughs> we just want to gather and build and be safe and be happy and be comfortable. But you just shake us out, Lord, of every comfort zone that we will build around ourselves. Oh, thank you, guys. Well done. Come on, play something amazing and missional and Holy Spirit-filled. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Remember William Booth right at the start? Before my many words, not called, did you say? Not heard the call. I think you should say, Jesus, we hear your call. We hear your call. Every ordinary believer of us. Here, Lord, we put our Bible, our ears down to the Bible today. We've, we've, we, we've caught something of your trajectory, this prophetic mandate to hear your call to save and send and, and go. And we say, Lord, here we are, Lord. We're, yeah, I'm very aware of the measure that I don't have in my hands, but you put something in my hands, Lord. And I just offer it out to you again now. Lord, just, just open your hand to the Lord. Oh, God, thank you. Help us, Lord. Keep going to the end of the earth, the end of the age. Lord, we, we believe you, Lord, for this, this church in Colchester that I used to call a church plant. But now, Lord, it's a church here in Colchester, sending, receiving, growing, giving. Lord, we say, help us, even out of our lack and our small resources, to lift our heads to your incredible promises. Just open our hearts afresh. We pray for a fresh anointing and empowering today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just as the guys begin.